Good morning. It's a beautiful morning here in Puerto Vallarta. It's overcast, my favorite kind of day in the summer. Uh, it looks like it's going to rain. It's 84 degrees outside. And there was some tropical weather I was tracking. And I was going to look at that this morning for us and see if we're getting... This is our hurricane season uh, now, so I don't know if we got anything out there. It'd be nice to... Um, I guess figure that out. Uh, I can get pretty dark and scary around here at times. Let's see if they got anything in. Good day, but a lot of clouds. Yep. High chance of rain today. Okay, well, we'll leave it at that. We are going to move right into the reading for today. I was looking at this day in history and the uh, goofy stuff. Uh, that <laughs> didn't didn't interest me at all happened on this day, at least on that web page. There's probably some other, other things that happened that I didn't read about or see. But we'll do a, a dad joke and then move into the reading today. So what do you call an Irish man who sits around a swimming pool all day? Patty O'Furniture. <laughs> Thank you, Ray, for that one. That was cracked me up when I saw that. Patio furniture. Patio furniture. Probably depends on how you say it. We will look into 2 Kings 17 and 18 today. This is pretty interesting because just taught on 2 Kings 17 on Wednesday. We'll be jumping into 18 and probably 19 or so um, in two days. So this applies if you're keeping up on the teaching on Wednesday nights with us, which you're invited to do. We're online 6.30 um, every Wednesday. So with that, let's pray and look into the Word. Father, thank you for this morning, and we do ask that you would give us the the, the key, the, your Holy Spirit, to just to help us connect all of this to the things that happened then, the things that happened in the New Testament, and how, God, you want to use them to make us more like yourself, to build us, God, into better servants, to help us, God, be more loving, and to be less like ourselves and more like you. So thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. So here we go. Second Kings 17. Hoshea reigns over Israel. In the twelfth year of Ahaz, king of Judah, Hoshea, the son of Ella, became king over Israel in Samaria and reigned nine years. He did evil in the sight of the Lord, only not as the kings of Israel who were before him. Shalmaneser, king of Assyria, came up against him, and Hoshea became his servant and paid him tribute. The king of Assyria found conspiracy in Hoshea, who had sent messengers to So, king of Egypt, and had offered no tribute to the king of Assyria, as he had done year by year. So the king of Assyria shut him up and bound him in prison. Then the king of Assyria invaded the whole land and went up to Samaria and besieged it three years. In the ninth year of Hosea, the king of Assyria captured Samaria and carried away Israel away into exile to Assyria and settled them in Hala and Habor on the river of Gozan and in the cities of the Medes. Seven. Now this came about because the sons of Israel had sinned against the Lord their God, 
who had brought them up from the land of Egypt, from under the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and they had feared other gods and walked in the customs of the nations whom the Lord had driven out before the sons of Israel and in the customs of the kings of Israel, which they had introduced. The sons of Israel did things secretly, which were not right against the Lord their God. Moreover, they built for themselves high places in all their towns from watchtower to fortified city. They set for themselves sacred pillars and a shirim on every high hill and under every green tree. And there they burned incense on all the high places as the nations did, which the Lord had carried away into exile before them. And they did evil things provoking the Lord. They served idols concerning which the Lord had said to them, you should not do this thing. Yet the Lord warned Israel and Judah through all his prophets and every seer saying, Turn from your ways and keep my commandments, my statutes, according to all the law which I commanded your fathers, which I sent you through the, my servants, the prophets. However, they did not listen, but stiffened their neck like their fathers who did not believe in the Lord their God. They rejected his statutes and his covenants, which he made with their fathers and his warnings, in which he warned them. And they followed vanity and became vain and went after the nations which surrounded them concerning which the Lord had commanded them not to do like them. They forsook all the commandments of the Lord their God and made for themselves molten images, even two calves, and made an Asherah, and worshipped all the host of heaven and served Baal. Then they made their sons and their daughters pass through the fire and practiced divination and enchantments. They sold themselves to do evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking him. So the Lord was very angry with Israel and removed them from his sight. None was left except the tribe of Judah. Also Judah did not keep the commandments of the Lord their God, but walked in the customs which Israel had introduced. The Lord rejected all the descendants of Israel and afflicted them and gave them into the hand of plunderers until he had cast them out of his sight. When he had torn... Israel, from the house of David, they made Jeroboam the son of Nebat king. Then Jeroboam drove Israel away from following the Lord and made them commit a great sin. The sons of Israel walked in all the sins of Jeroboam, which he did. They did not depart from them until the Lord removed Israel from his sight. As he spoke through all his servants, the prophets, so Israel was carried away into exile from their own land to Assyria until this day. Verse 24, the king of Assyria brought men from Babylon and from Kutha and from Ava and from Hamath and from Sephar, Baim, and settled them in the cities of Samaria in the place of the sons of Israel. So they possessed Samaria and lived in the cities. At the beginning of their living there, they did not fear the Lord. Therefore, the Lord sent lions among them, which killed some of them. So they spoke to the king of Assyria, saying, The nations whom you have carried away into exile in the cities of Samaria do not know the customs of the God of the land. So they sent lions among them, and behold, they killed them because they do not know the custom of the God of the land. Then the king of Assyria commanded, saying, Take there one of the priests whom you carried away into exile, and let him go and live there, and let him teach them the custom of the God of the land. 
So one of the priests whom they had carried away into exile from Samaria came and lived at Bethel and taught them how they should fear the Lord. But every nation still made gods of its own and put them in the houses of the high places which the people of Samaria had made, even every nation in their cities in which they lived. The men of Babylon made Sukoth Benath, the men of Kuth made Nergal, the men of Hamath made Ashima, and the Avites made Nibsha and Tartak, and the Shavarvites burned their children in the fire to Adramelech and Anamelech, the gods of Shavarvim. They also feared the Lord and appointed from among themselves priests of the high places who acted for them in the house of the high places. And they feared the Lord and served their own gods. According to the custom of the nations from among whom they had been carried away into exile. To this day, they do according to the earlier customs. They do not fear the Lord, nor do they follow their statutes from their ordinances of their law or their commandments, which the Lord commanded the sons of Jacob, whom he named Israel, with whom the Lord made a covenant and commanded them, saying, You shall not fear their gods, nor bow down yourselves to them, nor serve them, nor sacrifice to them. But the Lord who brought you up from the land of Egypt with great power and with an outstretched arm, him you shall fear, and to him you shall bow yourselves down, to him you shall sacrifice. The statutes and the ordinances and the law and the commandment which he wrote for you, you shall observe to do forever, and you shall not fear other gods. The covenant that I have made with you, you shall not forget, nor shall you fear other gods. But the Lord your God, you shall fear, and he will deliver you from the hand of all your enemies. However, they did not listen, but they did according to their earlier custom. So while these nations feared the Lord, they also served their idols, their children likewise, and their grandchildren, as their fathers did, so they do to this day. Chapter 18. Now it came about in the third year of Hoshea, the son of Elah, king of Israel, that Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, became king. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Abi, the daughter of Zechariah. He did right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father David had done. He removed the high places and broke down the sacred pillars and cut down the Asherah. He also broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made, for until those days the sons of Israel burned incense to it. It was called Nehushtan. He trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel, so that after him there was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor among all those who were before him. For he clung to the Lord. He did not depart from following him, but he kept his commandments, which the Lord had commanded Moses. Verse 7. And the Lord was with him. Wherever he went, he prospered. And he rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. He defeated the Philistines as far as Gaza in his territory from Watchtower to a fortified city. Now in the fourth year of King Hezekiah, which was the seventh year of Hoshea, the son of Elah, king of Israel, Shalmaneser, king of Assyria, came up against Samaria and besieged it. 
At the end of three years, they captured it. In the sixth year of Hezekiah, which was the ninth year of Hosea, king of Israel, Samaria, was captured. Then the king of Assyria carried Israel away into exile to Assyria and put them in Hala and on the Habor, the river of Gozan, in the cities of the Medes. Because they did not obey the voice of the Lord their God, but transgressed his covenant, even all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded. They would neither listen nor do it. Now, in the 14th year of King Hezekiah, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came up against the fortified cities of Judah and seized them. And Hezekiah, king of Judah, sent to the king of Assyria at Lachish, saying, I have done wrong. Withdraw from me. Whatever you impose on me, I will bear. So the king of Assyria required of Hezekiah, king of Judah, 300 talents of silver and 30 talents of gold. Hezekiah gave all the silver which was found in the house of the Lord and in the treasuries of the king's house. At that time, Hezekiah cut off the gold from the doors of the temple of the Lord and from the doorposts which Hezekiah, king of Judah, had overlaid, and he gave it to the king of Assyria. And the king of Assyria sent Tartan and Rabsadis and Rabshake to Lachish to King Hezekiah with a large army to Jerusalem. So they went up and came to Jerusalem, and when they went up, they came and stood by the conduit of the upper pool, which is on the highway of the fuller's field. When they called to the king, Elikim, the son of Hilkiah, who was over the household, and Shebna, the scribe, and Joah, the son of Asaph, the recorder, came out to them. Then Rebshakeh said to them, Say now to Hezekiah, thus says the great king, the king of Assyria, What is this confidence that you have? You say, but they are only empty words. I have counsel and strength for the war. Now, on whom do you rely that you have rebelled against me? Now behold, you rely on the staff of this crushed reed, even on Egypt, on which if a man leans... It will go through into his hand and pierce it. So is Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to all who rely on him. But if you say to me, we trust in the Lord our God, is it not he whose high places and whose altars Hezekiah has taken away and has said to Judah and to Jerusalem, you shall worship before this altar in Jerusalem? Now, therefore, come, make a bargain with my master, the king of Assyria, and I will give you two thousand horses if you are able on your part to set riders on them now then can you repulse one official from the least of my master's servants and rely on egypt for chariots and for horsemen have i now come up without the lord's approval against this place to destroy it the lord said to me go up against this land and destroy it then elikim the son of Hilkiah, and Shebna, and Joah, said to Rabshakeh, Speak now to your servants in Aramaic, for we understand it, and do not speak to us in Judean, in the hearing of all the people who are on the wall. But Rabshakeh said to them, Has my master sent me only to your master and to you to speak these words, and not to these men who sit on the wall, doomed to eat their own dung and drink their own urine with you? Then Rabshakeh stood and cried out with a loud voice in Judea, and saying, Hear the word of the great king, the king of Assyria. Thus says the king, Do not let Hezekiah deceive you. 
For he will not be able to deliver you from my hand, nor let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, saying, The Lord will surely deliver us, and this city will not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Do not listen to Hezekiah. For thus says the king of Assyria, Make your peace with me, and come out to me, and eat each of his own vine and each of his own fig tree, and drink each of the water of his own cistern, until I come and take you away to a land like your own land, to a land of grain and new wine, and land of bread and vineyards, land of olive trees and honey, so that you may live and not die. But do not listen to Hezekiah, we must lead you, saying the Lord will deliver us. Has any one of the gods of the nations delivered his land from the hand of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamath and Arphad? Where are the gods of Shavarbim, Henna, and Iva? Have they delivered Samaria from my hand? Who among all the gods of the lands has delivered their land from my hand? That the Lord should deliver Jerusalem from my hand. But the people were silent and answered him not a word. But the king's commandment was, do not answer him. Then Elikim, the son of Hilkiah, who was over the household, and Shebna, the scribe, and Joah, the son of Asaph, the recorder came to Hezekiah with their clothes torn and told him the words of Rabshakeh. Well, 17 we covered pretty well last week, so you know what the story is there. It's fascinating how God continually warned them, said, I sent you my prophets. I sent you them over and over to warn you this would happen. And now he's, going, he's allowing it to happen to them because of the hardness of their heart. And they went and did vile things and offering up their own sons and daughters um, in the fires of these pagan gods. And Judah was influenced by that as well. They also started heading down that path. Fortunately, Hezekiah pops up on the scene and he delays the judgment on Judah by quite a while because he is trying to lead people back to follow after God. And wouldn't you know, you have one good king that starts doing everything right and a major attack comes upon him. And what's happening in, on this attack? The enemy's coming and talking to his people saying, don't trust Hezekiah and, and the God of Hezekiah. Trust in the power of man. Trust in us. Yes, we're coming to hurt you and to take away your house and your land. You'll own nothing and be happy. <laughs> Put your faith in the king of Assyria. Uh, this is uh, what's going on today with the globalist movements, what's going to go on in the tribulation uh, with the Antichrist. There is this sense that do not listen to the voice of the Lord your God and trust in him for deliverance. Deliverance can only come by man. As man is conquering and going out to conquer, and there's this arrogance of the king of Assyria saying, you know, that he had conquered all the lands around him. And he's even saying that God had sent him to now conquer over Jerusalem, which is not true. Now, it was true, believe it or not, sadly, that God had sent him to conquer over northern Israel, the ten tribes. That wasn't God's plan. But now under Hezekiah, God's going, nope, I got a man on the throne after the heart of David. You're not going to touch my anointed you're not going to do this, but he's arrogant, and he says, no, I'm going to come against you. 
and I'm going to take you just like I took the 10 tribes. I mean, you're only two tribes. They were 10 tribes. All you've got is your puny little temple. How interesting they knew. How interesting they had this information that Hezekiah was taking down the Asherah and these high places. He uses that on the people, on you know, psychological psyops on the people going, hey, Hezekiah is forcing you guys to be moral, to be good, worship the only true and living God. He's not allowing you to go party up on the high places and sacrifice there and do what you want to do. He's bad. We're good, even though we're coming to, to, to take you away, even though we're coming to conquer you. We're the good guys. Just follow us. And, um, you know, Old Testament lingo, take our mark. And you can eat and drink and what all you want you can have now. We won't come in and beat you up and um, fight against you. You guys all follow us, surrender to us. You can go live your lives uh, as you've been living. And then we're going to come back and take you in captivity. Oh, we're going to take you away, by the way, into our land. <laughs> Tribulation, uh, just come by, and, you know, take the mark, buy and eat. You can just follow what we're doing. Um, you'll be happy until we come and take you away for eternity into hell. I mean, this is kind of this this modeling that's going on here, what we see in the Old Testament is going to happen in the New Testament. The Antichrist promises them prosperity, they'll be happy, but we know what his underlying plan is. So pretty interesting how this is all playing out. Hezekiah, we're going to see, there's a lot more about Hezekiah. There's a lot of good stuff about Hezekiah. That's why he's called Good King Hezekiah. He really had a heart after God. He made a mistake, obviously. He started, he gets like everybody is human. He sees this massive army. He doesn't have a strong army. And they're coming in and he's, okay, well, I'll just pay tribute. This was common in those days. Just get out of my land, I'll pay tribute. But that wasn't good enough. They come and they go, no, that wasn't enough. We're going to come take it all. And so this is where Hezekiah, even though making that first mistake, then realizes, ooh, what I should be doing is falling on my face before the Lord and crying out for help, which is what he's going to end up doing. Okay, Galatians 4. Sonship of Christ. Now I say as long as the heir is a child, he does not differ at all from the slave, although he is owner of everything. But he's under guardians and managers until the date set by the father. So also we, while we were children, were held in bondage under the elemental things of the world. But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive the adoption as sons. Because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. However, at that time, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those by which, by nature, are no gods. But now that you have come to know God, or rather, to be known by God, how is it that you turn back to the weak and worthless elemental things to which you desire to be enslaved all over again? You observe days and months and seasons and years. 
I fear for you that perhaps I have labored over you in vain. I beg you, brethren, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You have done me no wrong. But you know that it was because of a bodily illness that I preached the gospel to you the first time, and that which was a trial to you in my bodily condition, you did not despise or loathe, but you received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus himself. Where then is this sense of blessing you had? For I bear you witness that, if possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. So have I become your enemy by telling you the truth? They eagerly seek you, not commendably, but they wish to shut you out so that you will seek them. But it is good always to be eagerly sought in a commendable manner, and not only when I am present with you. My children, with whom I am again in labor until Christ is formed in you, But I could wish to be present with you now and to change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. 21. Tell me, you who want to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the bondwoman and one by the free woman. But the son of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh, and the son of the free woman through the promise. This is allegorically speaking, for these two women are two covenants, one proceeding from Mount Sinai, bearing children who are to be slaves. She is Hagar. Now Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free. She is our mother, for it is written, Rejoice, barren woman who does not bear. Break forth and shout, You who are in labor, for more numerous are the children of the desolate than of one who has a husband. And you, brethren, like Isaac, are children of promise. But as at that time, he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit. So it is now also. But what does this scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman and her son. The son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free woman. So let's keep this in perspective. There's a lot to this, and it would I would commend you to listen to all teaching on this chapter because it's heavily theological. But he's giving these Gentiles and understanding that, look, these Jewish so-called Christians, believers, are telling you that you have to follow the law and be circumcised in order to be a real Christian. You have to come through the whole Levitical system in order to be accepted by God. You're saying they are the sons of the bondwoman. They're held bondage to the, the law and to slavery under the law. You were born of the free woman, essentially by the grace of God, that God chose to bring grace to the world and make two, one flesh, the Jew and the Gentile, together. And that would be the free, the free person, the free woman, or say, and producing the sons. So, 
Meaning that he's saying, you guys have to realize who you are. That there was two covenants. He's saying, you don't have to be tied to Mount Sinai and the law that Moses gave. As good as it was for the time, you're of a different mother, a different covenant. And so, why do you want to go back to that? That's a good question because I use that quote because people come into the church and they go, oh, pastor, you don't understand. We're doing everything wrong. Um, we need to meet on Saturdays. We've got to go back to the Jewish festivals. We have to read our Bible in Hebrew. Um, we've got to, we've got to all be whatever, ritualistically something, baptized, whatever, they, whatever the story is. And I go, you've been in church here for quite a while. What happened? I mean, why do you want to go back to the law after you've been set free? Some garbage are walking or watching on YouTube, and they weren't thinking through it. And then if they do think it through, and especially if they read a book of Galatians, that normally changes. <laughs> or they got to go learn it for themselves. And Paul's going, hey, I would, I, would I have to start over with you? I mean, essentially is what he's saying. I taught you the gospel that's not about the law. And do I need to go back and start all over now that you want to jump into the law? And so we have this movement going on today in the church, this legalistic going back to the all of these dogmas and all of these things that is snuck into liturgical churches, Catholic church. It's a system of law, justification by works, which doesn't work. <laughs> does not work okay charles spurgeon the people that do know their god shall be strong and do exploits daniel eleven thirty two. the lord is a man of war jehovah is his name those who entrust under his banner shall have a commander who will train them for the conflict and give them both vigor and valor the times of which daniel wrote were of the very worst kind, and then it was promised that the people of God would come out in their best colors. They would be strong and shout to confront the powerful adversaries. Oh, that we may know our God, his power, his faithfulness, his immutable love, and so may be ready to risk everything in his behalf. He is one whose character excites our enthusiasm and makes us willing to live and to die for him. Oh, that we may know our God by familiar fellowship with him. For then we shall become like him and shall be prepared to stand up for truth and righteousness. He who comes forth fresh from beholding the face of God will never fear the face of man. If we dwell with him, we shall catch the heroic spirit. And to us, a world of enemies will be but as a drop of a bucket. A countless array of men, or even of devils, will seem as like to us as the nations are to God. And he counts them only as grasshoppers. Oh, to be valiant for truth in this day of falsehood. Amen. Father, we thank you for that sentiment, that you go before us, that you're a commander. You go before us in our battles. And God, we know we live in these days where there's a strong push from Rabshakeh's of the world to say, do not trust in your God. How do you think that you can overcome us? 
the global forces of the world who are coming against the bride of Christ, raging against the bride of Christ, doing everything to tear it down and destroy it. We thank you, God, that you have given us examples in the past. You continue to give us examples, the Pauls of the world, the Hezekiahs of the world, those that will simply fall on their face and God, God strengthen us. We know you are the commander. Charles Spurgeon says, we know that you are a commander, that you go before us, and you can bring one angel to bear against an entire army. So God, do it. We ask for the last harvest. We ask for you to be bringing in those that are hungering and thirsting after you before this last great battle ensues and we see the changing of everything. So God, keep us looking up. Thank you for what you are doing. And in the midst of all, God, may you continue to just draw in a huge harvest. We pray for that for the for the VBS, the kids that are coming. Thank you for those that are coming behind it financially. Bless them, God, greatly. Continue to bless the whole team that's working every day at the church into the night, preparing for this. Prepare the team from Albuquerque that's coming. Thank you for them, God. And may they have divine appointments and be drawn ever so closer to you through all of this. May you minister to them even through the VBS we're going to have. And their leaders, God, make all their details work out for their flights and that everything would work smooth. So, God, we pray for cool weather and that everything would be just uh, fine. The vans would work. Everything would go well. So thank you for everything that's transpiring this week as well as for the services, for the for the Bible studies and the evangelism that will be happening. God, we thank you for these many blessings that we have and the opportunities we have. And we also pray that you would answer the call of those that are in need of finances and in uh, food and paying the rent, many things, God, that weigh heavily on our, uh, on our minds. May you sovereignly, God, step forward and give creative solutions or just miraculously provide. So thank you, God, for what you're doing. Give us strength as we walk through these days and those that are far away right now and, and um, maybe not have family around them, God, bring them in, the special Christian brother or sister that can be a friend and be a ministering agent to them while you are using them. Thank you for our churches that are jumping in and supporting the work here, for the many people that uh, constantly are coming and praying for us. God, thank you for them and what they're doing in their own churches as they serve there. So we thank you we're one body serving wherever we are. We ask you to bless this day in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you. And uh, we're going to continue tomorrow. And do want to encourage you to make sure you're subscribing and get more people subscribing online so we, we can get the view count up so people can find us. Some people have looked and don't always remember the name of the program, don't know how to find us. But the more we subscribe to whatever platform, the easier it becomes. So we'll see you again tomorrow. You guys keep looking up. Keep loving Jesus. Bye-bye. Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word.